but definitely there are moments when after my intense periods of teaching and traveling, I just don't want to speak. <laughs> I don't want to see anyone. <laughs> I don't want to, I, I just want to be, be in myself. I don't want to see social media. I don't want to ask about dance. Welcome to Belly Dance Live podcast. My name is Jana Komarnitska. I'm a full-time dancer based in Toronto, performing a variety of Middle Eastern and Central Asian dance styles, including belly dance. You can find me at janadance.com as well as on Insta or Facebook by Jana Dance or Jana Komarnitska. I'm happy you've decided to join us for this weekly dose of dance inspiration because here on this podcast we explore all nuances and insights into lifestyle of ballet dancers and we are having amazing star guests who share their stories, secrets and tips with you. Hello guys, how are you? Happy holidays to everyone. Welcome to another episode of Baladance Life podcast. And I would love to start this episode with a very special announcement. I promised you last time that on December 26th will be something very special. So here it is. I am extremely excited to share news about my new baby project the online store called my inner dancer it's online store with goodies inspired by belly dance and it was born out of love for belly dance and desire to create product that brings your inner dancer to everyday life i honestly can't wait for you to see all the cutesy things available there from jewelry to literally flip-flops <laughs> My favorite ones are the recent cheat sheet mug that let you enjoy your favorite coffee or tea and review basic ballad dance rhythms every morning, as well as the Dancing Fire Sport Brand leggings that just wire me up to jump and dance every time I put them on. And these are just a few things available at the store. Literally, even if you're not in the shopping mood, just <laughs> go visit and check all the cutesy uh, things available there. The website uh, of the store is myinnerdancer.com. I will put it in the uh, show notes, a direct link, so you can uh, check easily from there. And also, during our launch week, I offer our podcast listeners 10% off on any order with promo code LAUNCH10, all capitals, all together, no spaces. And you can redeem it by January 2nd, 2018. I sincerely hope you enjoy uh, this store. This project made me step out of my comfort zone just the same way as uh, then 10 months ago I was working on this podcast not knowing really where it would lead and if it will last <laughs> for a long time but I'm happy I did it that time and I'm very excited to launch this new project launch it still in 2019 although it will be a major thing for 2019 I feel so at least and uh, your support means really a lot to me so thank you for supporting the podcast and uh, I hope you will also like this online store with Baladin's goodies <laughs> and uh, hope you will support it too and now we are on to the interview with Mercedes Nieto. I just want to remind that this is part 
two in our previous episode last week uh, we had the first part of our conversation with Mercedes where we talked a lot about social media and its impact on both the career and development of dancer as well as how it changes the ballet dance field in general and uh, did some little comparison between festivals impact and social media impact in today's world. So if you're interested in that, uh, go back and listen to the previous episode. Also, there will be something that we will refer in our today's episode to some stuff that we talked last week. So you probably want to check that episode too. But today we continue our conversation with Mercedes and most of the things that we uh, talked uh, were about uh, touring artist life and what it really takes uh, behind the stage, uh, behind those uh, uh, shiny, sparkly theater lights and how does actually day-to-day touring life uh, looks like and uh, what are the struggles and as well as advantages and learning things that uh, a traveling artist uh, can benefit to. As well as we talked a lot about uh, festivals and uh, festival life and impact on dancers, as well as uh, business of dance festivals, because uh, uh, yes, dance is art and we all love and share this passion, but it also at some point is a business. So we talked a little bit about this business aspect of putting together festivals and uh, uh, how that work look like so i hope you will enjoy it and you will take some interesting uh, tips and insights for you but uh, before we dive in the interview i just want to give a quick thank you to Baladance evolution for supporting this podcast i feel that Baladance evolution directed by jelina is one of those companies that definitely will leave a mark in the history of Baladance because of their significant contribution to the development of this art form don't miss their performance of phantasm 2001 nights in sydney on march 9th also don't forget that bde is starting a new program to push dancers to their next level called jelina's bde experience the debut intensive is this march in los angeles you can apply by january 26 for consideration and more information about both performance and this program you can find at their website validanceevolution.com Do you find that uncertainty is the most challenging in this um, career or there is something more you find more challenging for yourself as a travel international travel artist? Ooh, oh wow yes uncertainty is is a very big challenge yeah yeah but i think it's all entrepreneurs um lifestyles um, are quite similar it's not only about dance because when you become independent and you're an entrepreneur however it's a freelancer in anything uh, as an artist as a, as a as a writer as a designer as anything um there is a certain amount of uncertainty in your life that um that some people struggle with that's that's what I, I I developed this kind of thinking in myself for um, when I'm saying that I try to trust myself and trust in um, who I am, not in what I do. So that helps me to 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 kind of relax about the future and try not and and kind of understand that or believe that everything in every way it's gonna be okay. Um, I'm gonna figure it out. I'm gonna find a way um, because I feel that it's. It's it's me. It's not what I do at the moment. Um, 
that is matter. So I try to relax myself with that, that I'm going to find a way either way, but, but uncertainty is, is definitely, um, a frightening factor in entrepreneur life. I think, uh, touring dancers, traveling dancers who have this main, main job. I mean, that's it as a professional way. That is quite a, that is quite a, a challenging factor. And then who else, uh, what else, uh, I find challenging, um, there is something about traveling a lot. It gives you a lot of experiences and it makes you um, be able to connect with people faster than ever and finding the common voice with people from all over the world. And sometimes I say that if what is the main, when some people ask, like, what is the main thing I've learned or gained during my uh, traveling dancer career? I always say, like, I think one of the main things I've learned is that. If you just drop me wherever in the world, in any countries, in any cities, you just just drop me and leave me there. Just give me like a few hours, and I'm gonna find my way. I'm gonna have people to talk to. I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to find a way home. I'm gonna be able to to um, to be comfortable with my surroundings. Like I mean, this is something that I feel it's it's quite an asset. It's quite a a valuable thing you learn as when you travel so much, and especially for for your job, that you learn to communicate with people you learn to to connect with people from so many different uh countries um um languages religions you know like a lot like these kind of boundaries kind of disappear like you you also lose a kind of fear um because you have a lot of trust in your own knowledge that you collected as a traveling um person i think it's the experiences the connections the people who you connect with that's 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 real that's the real treasure and then the ability of of finding your your um way anyhow anywhere i think is this is a kind of like a diplomat position right like you learn kind of you learn you learn so much that you that could make a good diplomat as well because you you're aware of things i mean i'm talking about traveling with um traveling with consciousness traveling with um awareness and with true connections I mean, if you give your time to actually understanding people around yourself and understanding the local culture and trying to understand a little more about surroundings of the place you're teaching in, in that case, it gives you an amazing amount of experiences as a person and not, and not only as a dancer, as a dancer as well. Like I'm, I'm, I'm getting so much inspiration. I see how other people approach dancing and I see how how they, they, they develop their own uh, styles. And when I'm like, like, for example, I'm, I'm going to Malaysia, like for eight years, almost every year. And this is one of my first uh, regular places. And, uh, and I remember when I first traveled there, I didn't know, um, I didn't know too much about the place. Uh, and I, I had to, you know, I had to read about it. And I also didn't know much about Annie, Annie Ong, the organizer who I'm working with and my friend as well now uh, from Malaysia. I don't know her personally. So I'm like, Jesus, I'm traveling through the whole world. And I'm like, to, 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 to meet a lady who I never met before. And I don't even know why she invited me. I'm like, well, but geez, like, what do they do in Malaysia? Is it like, you know, I like, it was amazing. Um, I was so excited and a little afraid, but then getting there and being like, um, I was really open, open to the, to their, you know, just like 
because it, I was amazed by the, 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 the culture they're having, the way they are, they live, the way they think, the way they approach dance. It was so new back then. And it was just such an innocent, um, baby steps they were doing as dancers, but, but it was so genuine and so enthusiastic. And I, I learned a lot about the country and its people in the first few years that I was going there and watching them growing their belly dance scene. It also amazed me because yeah, they don't have that amount of sources like we do in Europe, for example. And, and, uh, and, and then, and then if you see it now, like 10 years later, almost they having an amazing, uh, hub there are other organizers and there are nice festivals and people going there to teach and the people traveling and competing and and it's and it's it's just so beautiful how to, to see how they grow up uh, how, how they grow something up and they grow up as dancers and how they create their own community step by step and i feel very lucky to to be part of this and and things like this this is one of my most uh, amazing um uh most fulfilling experiences as a traveling dancer when I can return to places and see how they, um, you know, nurture their little community and, and what it becomes to be and seeing dancers after years again and trying to kind of following their career and seeing how life, their life is changing and how dance changed them. And it's really interesting. And, uh, and also to, to, to be more comfortable about a, a country, what I never know about, I didn't know anything before. Like I, I didn't know much about Malaysia, as I said, for example, but I learned a lot about it when I traveled there. And then I was with the people and I, I really intended to understand them. And then it gave me a, a kind of home feeling when I go back. So it's, it's amazing. I'm going there as I'm going home. And that's just one of the, the, the many amazing uh, experiences I, I had. But, um, also, for example, I was in India for the first time this year um, in the springtime. Uh, it was a very lovely uh, event by Payal Gupta. I knew her from before, um, from Canada, from Aziza's event in Canada. But um, I haven't seen her even before. I didn't really know how, uh, I didn't know much about it. And I went there and I was amazed how the dancers from India, the Indian belly dancers, are um, having this sophisticated, beautiful, soft way of expression through dance, which is most of the other countries, you know, the, especially um, with different cultures, different backgrounds, you know, the way of expression and the, the the possibility of a personal expression is always changing. And in some Asian countries, it's really a challenge because in some cultures, it's not very uh, accepted that you're personally accept, uh, ex expressing yourself. So I didn't know what to expect when I went to India first time. And then I saw the complete opposite. They were beautifully um, soft tuned about their emotions. And then I understood it's probably because of their classical Indian dance training, what it's, what they are having. And then, and I was also kind of a shock to see and to understand. And I felt so lucky in that moment. Like, you know, I, like, you know, like I learned something again and that is crazy. Like I learned something about Indian ladies, Indian women, um, and that's another thing I love about my my job. It's very fulfilling that I, I got to know more about women in general, um, um, you know, in other countries, other continents, in other religions, other societies. That is really a gift um, to see how other women live and how they find their ways um, in their lives and in dance. And, uh, and this is a... A knowledge I think I'm going to still benefit from, even if one day I'm not going to dance anymore. But this is something I'm going to always 
cherish and I hope I'm going to do something with it. Maybe I'm going to write about it. I don't know. <laughs> but but what I experience around the world as a woman, among other women, and of course, not only women, we have a lot of men in, in our in our field, but but I find it fascinating how um, how many different um, people and especially women I meet um, and and to get involved a little bit in their lives and 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 know more about their circumstances and um, the differences in the cultures and um, so it's it's really it's really fulfilling and it's also the challenging part because when you travel to a different place you also have to be aware that you don't you cannot teach the same way in every country, for example. Like when you go to teach in the States, your 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 approach or your your voice as a teacher is not gonna be the same as as you, as when when you're go, go going to a Caribbean island to teach, or when you go to Japan, or or when you go to 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 Finland to teach, for example, or Scandinavia, you not you don't expect the same reactions, or when you go to Japan, you can't expect the same um feedback or 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 reaction than what you get, for example, when you are in whatever Argentina or Mexico. You know what I mean? So it's like to understand that as a teacher, that you have to have a little different point of view according to the local society and norms and habits and religion and culture. You have to have a different approach. You have to be careful about certain things to be culturally appropriate in the local uh, ambient. But you also have to accept the different reactions and you don't have to take things very personally all the time that you have to learn how to understand people according to their own habits and cultures. And I think it's very important and this is challenging, but I love this process a lot. This is like really one of my favorite processes from all and when I'm going to teach to another country and then I'm preparing my my approach, my language and my my voice for the class. And then if it works and I feel that we can actually connect. That's the best. That's the best feeling when I understand that. Okay, there is a connection, so we can share. So I could, um, you know, um, find a voice with them. And uh, of course, the dance is the main voice, but we still can't deny that there are so many differences culturally that we need to be aware of. And um, I see that is a, a challenging thing, but also very, very beautiful thing when you reach that. And um, there's also the, yeah, there's also the other side of the thing is that when you have that practice kind of, and you, when you, when you do this, uh, method, or I don't know, like when you really truly try to immerse yourself in the local, um, circumstances and situations, then you are always struggling to find the way back to your core again. That's in my case, that's my main challenge that I'm always I'm feeling a little drained after, uh, and I little, a little hard to find my way back home and not only in a physical way, but in a mental way as well. Like I sometimes lose the sensation of home. I uh, don't know. Uh, sometimes I don't, you know, don't really remember anymore. Where was that? Like, of course I know it physically, but you know, it's a contrast, like after so much action and so many amazing encounters you're having out there and then return to your home and be a bit silent and, you know, be a bit slower and finding your rhythm back and recentering yourself. It is very draining. Um, and it is difficult for me sometimes, especially that 
I'm trying to act like an extrovert a lot of times to, to, to make it easier for other people to find a way with me. But honestly, I'm more, more an introvert. Um, so if I, if I can, I just close back after right away. Like I, I, I open myself for these encounters and, 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 um, experiences on my trips and exchanging, but then I have to just lock, lock myself. I have to, I have to get back to my core and I have to get back to my center. I have to close myself away from everyone. <laughs> and that's why social media is also a bit challenging for me because it's also, yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's not obvious if it's easier for extrovert people or not. I think it's not a very simple question at that, but um, but definitely there are moments when after my intense periods of teaching and traveling, I just don't want to speak. <laughs> I don't want to see anyone. <laughs> I don't want to, I, I just want to be, be in myself. I don't want to see social media. I don't want to ask about dance. I don't want to, you know, and sometimes, especially when I'm on tour and I'm having different stops and then in between the stops, someone asks for a private class, for example, or asking for an interview, you know, different projects in between my jobs, it's really hard for me to say yes, because I need to be completely locked away the, from the life for a while to be able to, to get out there and connect again. So that's my personal struggle with the teaching, uh, with the traveling teaching thing. And the last thing I wanted to mention is about the judge, the judgments in general to judge and to be judged. That's, um, that's a challenge. And when I, what I mean about it is that, um, so when you travel, you subconsciously automatically judge things you see, you judge people, um, you judge local dancers, the situations. And of course, with all your goodwill, but there are some automatic things and you have to learn how to avoid them. Like when you see, for example, a performance and there are serious mistakes, for example, about cultural appropriation or whatever, musical understanding or something. And then before you judge the person who's doing it, you have to measure a lot of things. You have to consider a lot of things about the background of the dancer, about the certain situation, about where this mistake can come from. It's just an example, but you know, but there's so many other ways you have to avoid judgment. Um, and I'm going to say a silly example, but I've been to Korea once when a very lovely, uh, um, friend of mine took me to a restaurant, um, and they wanted to, um, serve something very delicious and traditional and, uh, and precious to them to the Korean cuisine. And then, so they brought a live octopus. Um, and so they basically, they hold the octopus in front of me, but it was all so fast. They brought it in a kind of a bucket. I don't know when they took it out, it was like big and white and boom, the legs moving around. And then they threw it in the hot water that was in front of me. And then in a minute later, the animal started to move and it became pink. And I was like, I felt like it's a, it's, I, I was dying. I felt like it's a, it's a torture. I, I couldn't see it. I was almost screaming, you know, I was like, no, please. Oh my God, take it away. And then I started to feel ashamed about that because, um, you know, it's a really, it's like the, it's like the catch 22. So you don't want to, you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to, you don't want to judge something they do because it's their tradition. It's, it's precious to them. You have to understand it in their context. You don't want to judge it. So you don't want to, 
start to scream and, and cry because then you're disrespecting their effort. But in the same time, you also want to allow yourself to be authentic. So you want to allow yourself to have a genuine reaction. But that genuine reaction is going to be an offense for them. But throwing an animal in front of me in the hot water is an offense to me. <laughs> but then who is offending who, right? Like what is, the, what is the right way of seeing it? It's really tricky. But then I always think about it like we are kind of like diplomats in that way. So I have to see the whole context and I have to try to control my um, feelings. I can tell them that this is like, I'm sorry, I can't eat that. And it doesn't feel very good to me. So I can, or I can stand up and go to the bathroom and, you know, <laughs> scream and come back or something. But I have to find a way to, to allow myself to be genuine. And it's not about, you know, about local traditions as food, but it's about dance as well. You have to find a way to be authentic and honest, but you also have to understand how that is going to affect the local people, how that's going to reflect on them. Um, so it's a really, really difficult position when you are a traveling dancer and you're representing something that is most of the cases, not even your own culture. Like I, I do a lot of researches and I'm trying to be as authentically and culturally appropriate as I can, but it is still not my culture. And it is also true that belly dance is not f flourishing and touring all around the world as it is right now, only because the authentic dancers, that is also not true. So I have to also give the credit for all of us foreigners who are working very, very hard alongside the dedicated Middle Eastern artists as well, of course. Um, but our role is also important in, in spreading the quality validance around the world, right? So I, I don't say that we have to always switch cultures. So it's it's interesting. Like I'm representing something to with the validance that is a, 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 a attached to a certain culture that is not mine, but I try to represent it as at my best, at, at as much as I can. And then I try to expect other people um, understand it and do the same, but maybe those people had never had the, 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 the closeness of that culture so they can actually understand it enough. And that is not their fault. So I can help. That's why I'm there for. But I have to do that without judgment. So, But that's hard because that's a kind of natural thing that you judge situations and people want stuff first, right? So it's, it's a really tricky thing. Um, that that thing that you avoid judgment in any way towards anyone who you're working with. Um, and then the other side of this story is when you are being judged, and that is also challenging. I mean, that is probably, yeah, it's maybe more challenging because this you don't have the control over, like you can't learn it, can't correct it. It's when other people judging you, like for example, you're traveling and, you know, we, not, we don't always have good days and and we sometimes have bad days and then you are traveling all over the world. You are super tired and you just want to be somewhere to give your best, um, as an artist, but then they expect like other things. You have to be out there. You have to be social. You have to be on the social gatherings of the events. You have to be mm, talking to everyone all the time, whatever, taking pictures or be available all the time. And it's hard to close away from that. Because if you do, then you're going to be judged as a grumpy person or as an angry person or as a diva or something, you know. But it's like kind of, you know, it's kind of your right to to have boundaries. And that is 
probably my own fault because I haven't developed my boundaries yet <laughs> well enough. Um, but I'm working on it. But there is a tricky part of it that you can't control what other people think and you don't even have to and you don't ha- and it's it's okay. Um and it's okay if people will not love you um because you have to go back to sleep after the show and then you have to get ready for the workshop or whatever or maybe you're not having a very good day and you don't want to take million pictures because maybe you feel drained and you feel sick or you feel you know um so you try to cut it you try to have your boundaries but then you're going to be judged or labeled you know because then your work as a touring belly dancer is not only to dance and teach it's also what's between and that's one of the challenges for me that i tend to not have boundaries and give too much. And then I completely empty myself and I get drained and then I just want to lock myself in my room. So that's, so none of the things are good. So I'm trying to create those boundaries. Now I'm trying to be more, um, definite and a little more (laughs) consistent about the amount of sleep I need or the amount of time I need, um, away from, from the people to be able to be fully present when I'm on the class or in the show. But that's not always very, well received from the the community, you know, and this is understandable because they want more from you and that's nice, but it's just hard to explain that. I would, I wish, like, I really wish to give more, but I'm like, I can't, I'm coming from another place and another place and another place. And all those places want something from me and I would happily keep giving it, but it's just, there is a moment when you cannot anymore. And, um, and just because of that to not, you know, to not, to not be unfair that in some places you're completely at there and in some places you lock yourself away, then you need to have your balance. So you can keep equal and you can give equal quality of work everywhere, but that needs boundaries. And when you use your boundaries, you get judged sometimes. And then for me, dealing with being judged is really hard because I, I like, you know, I like peace around me. I like harmony about me. I would love people to like me, but I would like to like everybody. But you know, you have to admit that it's not how life is. It's just not working this way. Mm, so I'm working to, to, to fix that. But, um, and it's also about, you know, bad days on stage. Sometimes you have a bad day and you're not perfect on the stage area, but then you're, and then again, you're going to be judged. But in my case, I'm going to be judged first by myself. And that's another struggle. Like I have to also like, you know, I have to also accept my bad days and I have to accept that it's a very intense and difficult job. And, um, next to the amazing parts of it, it's very, very intense and draining. And so, and most of the times you put your private life on hold and you put your everything else on hold when you are traveling and teaching. And, and then there are just moments when you can't, when you, when you're just not, not a complete person and then it sees, it shows on the stage, then it can happen. So, to accept other people judging that or to accept yourself judging yourself. That's also a challenge. I don't, I don't have the answer to these things yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> wow. Like there's so many things that you brought up and I, I wanted to reflect on so many of them, but I just feel I will just let all this sink into people's mind who are listening because there are so many of so valuable points that you brought up that you don't really hear or see much. Even this is boom on social media. Nobody really talks much about that, but it so gives so much more understanding and appreciation both for students who come to the class, uh, for the other teachers or dancers who dream about the same career, for uh, festival participants who want to have a fun experience, as well as for event organizers 
to see the insides of uh, how it actually feels sometimes to to be in the center of all these things happening so i just want at this point to like instead of like trying to reflect or go deeper because i feel like every single topic or sentence that you said can be a separate interview and because they are very deep and very valuable but i just want to thank you for being really honest and open and and vulnerable and sharing those all these things because uh, it really gives great understanding that every every career every everything has two sides and uh, it's not like if we are talking about some challenging or like downsides it doesn't it doesn't diminish the highlights of it but you yeah, also exactly. cannot just talk about highlights it also has mm -hmm. some downsides so i really really appreciate sharing it and being just open and talking about it uh, yeah thank you for for asking those questions it's it's really important what you said that the it yeah to 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 admit the kind of shadows of something it doesn't diminish the the, the light and i think it's nice to uh, admit things and then um be aware and um especially self-aware of some of these um, patterns and and work on them and it's um, that is going to give you a more fulfilling experience as a dancer and as an artist if you if you are aware of um, you know the different sides of the same job and even the dif different approaches and 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 feelings of yourself like um, like I, I do love this job and I do love what I learned through this job and I I do have a lot of dreams still to fulfill and and I'm very thankful especially for the people who I met during um on on my way but it does have um you know it does have ups and downs and I think seeing the downs and sometimes falling and even failing is is okay and um and then learning from it and standing up is is optional and hopefully if it happens that's going to bring you somewhere else and i don't know um i i am i, I used to be a huge um idealist like you know painting everything pink and at the end everything has a meaning at the end you're going to arrive where you have to at the end so i do have this kind of you know holistic a little bit more spiritual tending thinking i do think that, that you can learn from everything uh but but to be able to really live it and not just think about it as words that are trending, <laughs> then you you have to go through the dark sides and then you have to um, yeah personalize them, you know, like to understand how things affect you. Why do you feel that way? What do you have to learn from it? What should be the next step? Like in my case, it was the overworking that I, I still haven't developed the skill of saying no and I still haven't... Um, um, being able to to create enough boundaries about my own abilities, um, and I had to realize that to be able to keep my work quality higher and to to be able to inspire, keep being inspired and create, I do need some quiet periods, and that's why the next. Um, so from the middle of December, uh, I'm gonna have two months off, and this is the first time I'm doing it for ten years. So I'm a little scared, but in the same time, I'm also very exciting, uh, excited about it. So I'm gonna have two months only for reflecting and resting, and 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 I didn't accept any jobs, and I felt like I'm even gonna travel away, and uh, I will be somewhere far. Um, 
I just want to, um, I just want to see, like, I just want to reflect a little, right? Just to see what's happening to me. Like, I don't have, you know, intentional, like, I don't have plans. I just feel I want to detach um, and and then build up something, again, that is more sustainable because I love this um, job and I want to sustain it, but I can't let it drain me. Um, and then it's also a kind of practice that I have to develop towards the whole social media thing that we were talking about um, to be able to keep it more um you know, to, to, to keep my vision about it, that I don't want to share things personally. I don't want to, um, I don't want to bring people's attention to beauty of the life, for example, or to questions or troubles or whatever it's on my mind. I do want to keep being honest, but, and I still do want to share my dancer's career as well. So I can still be out there with my art, hopefully influencing some people or inspiring some people. But but I also have to be detached of the whole flow of it, the general flow of it, like, you know, and, uh, and it's also interesting about my festival because as, you know, touring all these years and while organizing my own event, that is, uh, I'm, I don't know how could I get so lucky, but, uh, I always had just amazing, um, people around me who were helping me building that, not only the artists who came, but also the students. Like, I feel that my community, my festival is just a community that I could, like, I could never dreamt of building a better one or a nicer one. Like, I feel like everyone who comes has this, I don't know, special touch on the event, personal special touch. Um, it's, um, it's very important to me to keep, to keep building that and to keep giving the attention to my community and keep keeping my festival that never intended to be such a big festival i just wanted to have some workshops with my favorite teachers you know but then the response was inspiring me and then i kept building it but i next to my trips it's sometimes difficult be completely focused on that but in the same time i also feel that my trips are helping to 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 use my experiences and things i experienced in other festivals in other countries other communities it's making my events richer so at the end i feel like it's hard but i I hope that I'm giving something more to the event, not taking it away with with me not being focused only on that. Um, I'm having a good. I'm always having a great team, and I'm 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 happy about that. But but you know the festival is is an interesting thing. It's it's um I do believe in in festivals. That's the thing that I at the moment it's quite it, there is a kind of I don't know a vibe that is getting more and more popular. That festivals are just about pulling money out from the people and it's about, um, networking and, um, it's about just becoming someone. It's not really about any studying anymore. And I think this is not entirely fair. I do agree that I see some events as well where I can kind of understand that, okay, maybe the primary reason for this event was like, you know, not hundred percent the community serving maybe more business, especially in those countries where it's getting more popular at the moment, like the new countries joining into the belly dance industry, let's say. But then again, I also I'm also asking like, what's wrong with that? I mean, if there is there are business person who want to do their businesses and they choose on belly dance to be their businesses and they invite people to be part of the business and that people agrees and go there and become part of their businesses. Um, and they still give their 
best as artists and the students are still learning something, then I don't really see what's wrong with people making money out of it. Like I think I see that in some places where they create these huge festivals, especially in Asia now, there are a lot of new huge festivals who most mostly the organizers behind are business people. They have a lot of media co- uh, coverage. They have, um, um, you know, uh, it's just, I still feel that, yeah, I understand that we should not um, let our little community, you know, this little dance business become all about business or money or, or that kind of, you know, that kind of exposure, what the huge festivals are doing. But I also don't see what's wrong with them. I mean, what's worse about those festivals than about Instagram in general? So what people claiming from about those big festivals, then why we don't claim that about the social media in general? I mean, a social media exposure as a dancer on your Instagram, I don't know, for example, which is obviously many of the cases is just about, you know, exposing yourself, sharing something about you, putting pictures up, whatever about your red carpet event or whatever, you know, this is about the fancy things on going on on Instagram. And that's, and everybody kind of shares those things. Maybe not everybody, but it's the majority likes to, to share those moments. And that's exactly what these festivals philosophies are. It's the same stuff. And both cases, you can keep a balance. Both cases, there is a danger to fall in one or side or the other side. So to, to fall on that side, that it all becomes about projection and surface and aesthetics and shell things, that is a danger. But that can happen not only in the huge festivals, that can happen in your own Instagram profile. Um, so I, I don't feel it's entirely fair that people claiming these big festivals about why the belly dance field is getting all about you know, dancers getting out there too fast, getting to be teachers too fast, getting to share too little too soon. I don't think it's completely fair to blame it on festivals because I think if the festivals still offer values, valuable things, if you still offer good classes, good shows, uh, possibility to connect with other fellow dancers or teachers, good gatherings. Okay. And then, so maybe some of the dancers come to the same exact event just to expose themselves and be on the show and then put the video on the the, the, the internet and then be someone, but then, okay, but that choose your way, choose your reason why you want to be on the festival. Your reason is not that her reason is that, okay, we can coexist. I mean, how is it not the same with the social media? I keep up my profile and sometimes I'm sharing pictures with beautiful sunset because I think it's pretty. And sometimes I'm sharing my, uh, you know, cool ending post from my choreography because it's, it captures such a nice move and I look cool. You know, I want to be, so, I mean, it's the same approach. Like I can choose this or that I can be both, but I don't, I can't blame. Uh, so I'm not going to blame social media existing for my own shallowness at moments, you know, and I can't blame festivals existing for, for, for my own shallowness as a dancer. For example, if I'm, if I'm saying I'm an exposing dancer, like it's, it's too one-sided and I'm not only saying it as a festival organizer, I'm also saying it as an analytical thinking person, like just, yeah. So another thing is that festivals are mainly, most of the times are quite big loss for organizers. So that's something else other people mostly don't know that they think it's because it's big or it's great or it's many, many people coming or you're happy about it. And, 
and maybe package prices or workshop prices are high and stuff, it doesn't mean that your event is going to succeed financially, especially if you're not a business person. Because if you're a business person, maybe you have support, maybe you have sponsors, maybe you have a better idea, whatever. But like I'm, for example, I'm not very experienced in business in general, more than any other entrepreneur who has to do their own businesses. So when I'm taking decisions, when I'm making decisions about my festival, I'm not prioritizing the business point of view. I'm trying to prioritize the artist point of view. Probably you've seen that when you were there, you know, the little details we are trying to to create, like trying to put little, um, trying to put a lot of extra attention on things that could make people feel more comfortable being there or relaxed. Or I think I, I do have this vision and I think many other organizers have this vision as artists, like how can I make my people feel better? How can I make my artists happy? How can I make my students get the best out of it? And then we do spend a lot on it. And at the end, the artists are also not cheap. And I know that because I'm also an artist who is traveling and I know the prices. I have to also um, be aware of of the prices when I'm giving my own uh, uh, fees for, for, for traveling and when I'm accepting other people's cachets for traveling, I kind of, you know, I'm kind of understanding the, the circle. And I think it's, it is not cheap, but I do understand why. So it is most of the times it is a certain effort. And if you think about a lot of, you know, the years of work for an artist, for a career or stuff. So it's not about, come on, how can this six hours teaching be that much? It's not that six hours teaching. It's the 20 years before that. And then, so, and, and that's why I also, when I invite people to, to my event, I'm, I, like, for example, the prices, like in Hungary, we are doing it in Hungary. Hungary, the people's salaries are not so high. Let's say they are quite terrible at the moment. So I'm trying to keep the package prices a little bit lower and I'm giving a little bit of discounts for, for example, students from Hungary with student card. I'm trying to support a local community, but the artists who are coming are not giving me Hungarian price. You know, so there is a general price and there is what I have to spend. And that is what I get as an income. So at the end, when you do the balance, it's in certain, in certain countries and definitely Europe, I think in generally struggling with, with financial issues at the moment, it's really hard to be able to cover. And not only because of the artists, it's the theater cost, it's the hotel cost, it's the workshop room cost. It's so many things. So at the end, most of the times, if you want to do good quality events, like you try to be nice and fair and quality, then you're going to risk losing money. And then maybe some years not, maybe some years. Yes. Like in my case, like there are a few years when I'm like continuously losing. And then there are maybe one year when I'm making clear and I'm like, oh, okay, so this maybe can cover my losses. But it's like, it's like a never ending circle. You invest more to be able to maybe uh, cover your, your loss. And, but again, you do it because, and me and not only me, other organizers who are also artists, we are doing it because it gives a lot for the community. Like there are so many people that I could have never met if it's not for my festival. And there are so many people who my students meet and so many artists that are meeting for the first time uh, in my event. And then it's, and then they keep the co- the connection and then they, you know, keep cherishing it. And that's the best I can see. Like my two favorite Moroccan dancers ever, for example, where is uh, Hind Taufik? She lives in France, but she's original from Morocco. And Sharaf and Nadi, she, uh, he lives in, um, uh, actually he's, I don't know if at the moment he's already in Belgium or still in Morocco, but he's also from Morocco. 
And they are my two favorites. They never met. And this year on my festival, they, they met finally. And they became friends. And I still seeing them connecting on Facebook. And I know them meeting and liking each other and having a great time. And, and you know, and then I have someone from this side of the world, from that side of the world. And then they create a connection in my event. And then, or, or, or somebody comes to my event and, and invites one of my artists to another country, which is, is such a joy for me, like uh, to see that, you know, when I see... Uh, amazing people, precious people who do a lot for this art are getting possibilities. Let it be a student or a teacher, the same. And they get the opportunity to connect and keep this connection for long. I think this is an amazing thing. And sorry, just I just wanted to wrap it up that I think this is also coming with, uh, with the festival situation or if it, even if it's a festival or a workshop or whatever, but these kind of experiences are coming with it also. And it's up to you which one you want to choose. Like you want to choose this, you want to get out this from the festival, you want to have friends, you want to have more experiences, you want to have a class, you, or you want to be more known and you want to dance on the stage. And I do accept all and I do support all. And I love to see how it changes the community. And I, and I do think it has a future and it is a, a very important thing in our for the community and social media will not replace it ever and i hope at least i hope <laughs> i don't think it should um and i think people should see them a little more fair way um and not judging them so fast again um and then and then again try to focus personally individually on on the outcome that you want to get out of it and then you have the choice going or not but if you choose yes then definitely you're going to get out of it what you willing to. So I do think of festivals as positive parts of the community. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely agree on all points. And I remember even uh, thinking just about your festival. Uh, first of all, it's really impressive uh, how big and successful event you managed to organize even with your very busy schedule. Like I know you have a team, but it's still it feels your touch in everything. And to me, it was very impressive, like being there. I mean, I was, uh, when it was like three, four years ago, 2015. So I can only imagine how now it uh, probably just only improved even more. Uh, but I remember uh, discovering a lot of really great names and teachers for myself. Although I was already like, uh, I mean, not pro ballet dance or anything like that, but I still was in the community and still with every festival you discover new names, new teachers. And your point with connecting to people, like even thinking about how many people I met there and how many people I reconnect, even like <laughs> we met with Julia Farid after 10 years not seeing each other. And we were like, yeah, we wow. started together. We live the I mean, at that point, I already moved from Ukraine for a few years, but at the same time, we lived all that time in Ukraine and we are meeting in Hungary, like after 10 years wow, of not seeing each other. Nice. So <laughs> festivals, yeah, it's nice. really amazing place to connect and reconnect to people. So, And definitely all your hard work is seen uh, in your festival and it has uh, your soul and uh, uh, it's really worth, uh, worth uh, all the effort. So... Please keep doing it. Please <laughs> keep organizing it. <laughs> I really, I really yeah. plan to keep doing it. It's kind of, I feel it's, again, it's something that is bigger than me already. It's, it never meant to be a festival. It just meant to be like some workshops with amazing people. And I, I just, I was surprised how much I, I enjoy 
being there and it's sort of crazy work and my students know and my family know <laughs> it's amazing so the festival days are like the most the create the craziest most tiring most intense most like i don't know amazing days of the whole year but in good and bad way as well like of course i don't say bad i mean it's just the the necessary efforts you do but I do work really hard and I expect that from my team and I expect my family to support that too. So we all work really hard. So for everyone that four days of the year is like, like that, that it's like a blackout for four days, like the whole world stops and then you just focus there and it's really, really intense. But in the same way, I, I experienced just so many amazing encounters, um, that I got addicted to. So I kind of, I feel like I, I really, I really still, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still investigating how to do it better. I'm still, I still have ideas and things I always want to change and try to not make mistakes again, because obviously everyone makes mistakes because we all learning it by ourselves. No one told us how to do it. And when you're an artist as well, you, you do want to have your own touch on it, like, like the others who are also organizing, but, but you also want, um, to give space for, for people to, to give comments, how they want it to be. You want to keep up with the trends, but you want to have your vision. So it's a lot of questions and a lot of background work. But when you see people, I mean, that's what's happening to me. When I see it starting and I see the first teacher stepping on the stage on the first workshop and the first students enter the room and start to move, I just feel so grateful. I mean, these people trust me, you know, and this is about this is about that. These people trust me. They come here, they spend their money and they spend their time and effort. And that's a responsibility. But, but when they are happy and when I see it works, I feel so humble. I feel so small. I feel like, geez, how can this be happening to me? You know, it's, it actually brings tears to my eyes every time I think about that. And my show, when I see those artists on my God show and and those students who bring their choreographies that practicing for a year or whatever for months and and that's so much there's so much love there and so much dedication and and a lot of things expectations and joy and sometimes sometimes other stuff sometimes you know fear sometimes whatever disappointment it's because if you have for example competition that also happens but but everything happens there it just makes me feel like that's something bigger than me. And that's something that people like to, to, to experience. It's a place where people like to return to. And, and that is a kind of toxic feeling to me. So I do not want to stop it. I I do want to keep, keep um, offering this space for people. And I do want to always emphasize it, that it's a safe space. And I really hope we could think about all festivals like that that it is a safe space for dancers. This is for us. We are a community. We are in something together, uh, what we created for, for joy, for passion. And it doesn't matter if it's some, for some of us, it's work, for some of us, it's hobby, but it's, it's a hub where you can enjoy your passion and share it with people who are in the same shoes. Uh, and that is a beautiful thing. And it's very precious. And I do want people to think about it as it's a safe place. And I wish... I wish it could be that. And I know it's a lot of other things involved and there is ego and there is business and there is fear and there is connection and there is a lot of things that we mix in the story. But we should kind of see the big picture and and kind of accept those wild 
branches of it, right? Like trying to to focus on the essential. And then if you realize that it's your safe space, and and that's what I just already mentioned that that being judged, you know, just if you just, if you learn to judge less, then you're gonna be judged less as well, and then you can focus on on the essentials. And then I really do want to keep my idealist side about that 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 it is it is a great thing to connect and reconnect with people, and it is a great place to be when it's your safe place. Because in the world, I mean, your life is not full of safe places, right? We don't have a lot actually. And when we choose our hobbies, that should be our safe place. And uh, and I do think that fest- this is festivals, jobs, and responsibilities to give that for people. And to be safe, then that's going to give you wings. And and that is a feeling that, that you're going to have from a personal experience and not from social media, for example. If we want to wrap it up, getting back for the, to the very first question. Yeah, that's that's. So true and so true and so beautiful. (laughs) Uh, When are the next dates of your festival so people can mark their calendars? (laughs) Oh, that's so nice of you. (laughs) Thanks. It's uh, 16 to 19 May 2019. It always happens in May, right? Yes, we always have it in May. And usually second or third weekend, this is going to be, I think, I don't remember, but it's 16 to 19 uh, May and we already opened the registration and uh, we are preparing some nice Christmas promotion. So if someone haven't registered yet, maybe they can think about it now because we're going to have a nice Christmas promotion. And then after uh, until March, we actually have the early bird prices. So it's still it's still going to be reasonable. But usually in the beginning of the year, the workshops start to fill up. So uh, because I don't like I'm I'm trying to to not grow it bigger. I mean, I would love to, to have, you know, share it with more and more people, but I also want to try to keep thinking on the quality of the experience for the people who are there. So we're not going to change the sizes so far. So uh, I'm going to start to, to, to close workshops probably early next year. So if someone's interested, they can look around in the website and yeah, or or my Facebook, or we also have an Instagram page, (laughs) which I'm like, managing and i i like it i'm i'm usually very uh, sentimental about it and i'm sharing a lot of personal <laughs> memories which i don't know how useful is that but but i think this whole festival thing is quite personal to me i mean um and my people coming um i, I really love them and i if someone want to join yeah welcome <laughs> i really really grateful for you to take your time and be willing to to come and talk and share your experience and uh, just uh, uh, before like summing up and our final question of the podcast um we talked a lot about social media so it's kind of funny question but still how people can follow you and follow your activities and what is the best way to to reach out and follow you like um <laughs> is it website is it some social media like facebook yeah. or social or instagram like what's yeah. what's your preference <laughs> i really i really really want you to and everyone who's listening to to understand that anything i said is not against social media is it's just kind of trying to put the emphasis on the the other sides of it that can that can create more awareness or more responsibility in 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 those who 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 are almost like 
or are like influencers in our field, right? So I just like, you know, I, I like to talk about this social media is, issue to put things in, in perspective, but in no means uh, uh, I'm against it or uh, or I, I dismiss the the um, the advantages with it because I do think that the, the way it allows us to connect with people all over the world at any time, it is really, really precious. And um, what I was talking about is more about how to put the emphasis on on um, on the on the the depth of it, the values, like how to, to try to create, you know, um, a perspective and um, and and see it in a kind of context that is not gonna make you feel bad about it, or that's not gonna make uh, people feel that this is replacing personal experiences or or personal moments. Um, so that is just. It's let's say I have concerns about social media, but in no means I'm against it. Uh, and I do have some, of course, and I um I do like to to connect with people I know. And um, I have Instagram profile, yes, it's um yeah, it's Mercedes Nieto. Um, and I have uh, just one. I have one, and that's that's everything happening there. I have some dancing um, material to share and some personal things. Uh, a lot of uh, pictures about clouds and <laughs> birds and trees and stuff and the belly dancers. Um, and then um, and then I have a, also another Instagram page for my festival. That's Cairo Festival Budapest. It's also quite personal, but I also have some promotions there going on, games. Um, and then also on the Facebook, I have my personal account with my name. And then I have a page to like. That's Mercedes Nieto Oriental Dance Artist. Um, that's more about the, the dance only. Um, and then as well, my festival, Cairo Festival Budapest, it has a Facebook page as well, where we have, um, a lot of communication going on and I do have the websites as well. Um, but they are more like just, you know, just like the analog information giving like the, the, the mercedesnieto.com or cairofestival.com. Um, that's basically it. And, um, I'm sometimes like, slow like if people want to connect with me and reach out and write me then i would encourage them i i i I'd love to connect but i'm sometimes as you experience yourself i'm just sometimes slow in reaction but not because i don't want to it's just because i'm sometimes like really drained and blown away with my traveling job um but i do i do um i i i am i am available to reach out and and it's really important to 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 remember that like you know every story has a you know, obviously, like every story has two sides, minimum or many. <laughs> every person has many sides. Every every artist has different aspects. Every position has different sides. Like the same way, I love social media about giving me the chance to connect. The same way, I'm I'm concerned about um, the values of the real experiences, and and the same way, I love to see new dancers coming up and taking over and like to see them. Maybe I could never see them without social media, but I do see them, how hard they work, and that's beautiful. And in the same time, I would also love to still consider those who are not so active but have done a lot of achievement in the last decades. And uh, I would just love to have a good balance about it. I don't know how, but that's my dream. <laughs> and also about the festivals, because that was our other main topic. I also think that to be in a festival as an artist as an and as a student um, – in most of the cases, it just, I just want to see it as the same, you know, like, of course you have different approach when you're a student somewhere. And then when you are an invited artist, 
it's the same like when I'm an invited artist on a festival and I'm learning a lot from it, it doesn't mean that when I'm doing my festival, I'm not going to make the same mistakes or something like just because you experience different sides, it doesn't make you uh, unmistakable or I think that's okay. But in our case, I think in teacher's case, in artist's case, and also it's important from student perspective to understand that we have been students as well. Uh, I mean, that's how we started. We we went to places, to festivals. We connected people because, you know, because we wanted, we were eager to learn. We were eager to share. Um, if we remember that as teachers, then we're going to always have the the equal and balanced um, com- communication and connection with uh, with our students, and then then it's gonna be um, then it's just gonna create that safe space that I was talking about. Safe for students, safe for teacher, also for students if they can remember that um, judging teachers a little less about certain things gonna help them understand them more maybe. And uh, and at the end it's. It's a, it's, it's, it's a circle. So you should take a little more responsibility for each other. Thank you for taking your time and Thank sharing you. everything. And it was really my true pleasure. And I'm sure everyone who is listening is super excited and eager to hear more, hopefully in the future of for such conversations. Yeah, I'm here. And anytime. I always finish every episode with the same question, regardless of the topic that we talked about uh, it's most like a summary of everything but the question is what makes you fall in love with ballet dance again and again so you keep doing it for so many years hmm. uh, it's hard to answer so but i'm gonna yeah i'm gonna try to just tell you an example uh that's gonna talk more than than I could now, <laughs> um, because I have so much in my head at the moment. And I was in Switzerland two weeks ago, and I met um, Mayudi again. Uh, Mayudi, he's originally from Morocco, lived in France. Now he lives in New York. Um, he's a great artist. I I always loved his work, and we met many times before. And he's yeah, I consider him like an important uh, person in in in. Not only, in, I think, in the ballet dance scene in general as well, but also for me and also as a friend. Um, I I know he's like um, uh, very specific. Uh, his style is really, really special. But he's um, he just has an amazing um, past as a dancer as well. And, and he's very active still as well, of course. And in Switzerland, I I had the, um, the time and the op- opportunity to to join uh, one of his classes and um and uh, he did an omkasum piece he was uh uh teaching different different approaches to the same song with different versions of the song and um and the whole thing was just so natural and um genuine and authentic and real it was not even about exact movements it was more about you know translating the the, the story the lyrics the emotion uh, in the song and he was during all his class he was in such a, a such a such a tarab <laughs> ambience so what, what he was he was into such a it was like i felt he's in a different place when he starts to move with that song and he made all of us totally be uh, involved in his word of 
in his moment of terror. It was so real and honest and it was very raw. It was not super planned or it was not like a million tricks choreography. No faked emotions, no exaggerated drama. He was just natural, real, emotional and very, very raw. And that that part of it, the raw part of it, is what I I fall in love with belly dance for in the very first time. And every time when I see someone like he was on that class on that day, and when I have the chance to meet artists like that, or when I have the the, the, the gift of living moments like that for myself on the stage or in a class, those moments are that the moments that are pulling me back again and again. Even sometimes I'm I'm just losing my faith for short periods of time because it happens to everyone. I think it's normal. But then when I experience something like that, something that is so personal and honest and raw, and it's still beautiful, and it's just the way it is. It is beautiful the way it is. And I feel that this dance is giving us the permission to do that. It's giving us the permission to be raw and sincere and honest and it is going to be beautiful that's going to be the part that's going to make it the most beautiful and this is probably the only dance i can like you know i i don't know in general i think that's the amazing thing in art um when the person gets involved in subconscious uh, ways and then you get to know people more because you get to decode people's languages like artistic languages um, but that moment for me being in, in Mayuri's class and seeing him in Tarab and he, he pulled me in completely with him. I was in Tarab and everybody was having it and it was just so right. I felt like that's what I love about it. I love the passion. I, lo- I don't want it to be good or bad, happy or sad, you know, perfect or imperfect. I just want it to be real and raw and I want to enjoy the beauty of being real and raw and this dance allows me to do that. It gives me the permission and it gives you the permission and to all of us, regardless of age, body type, gender, religion, whatever. And I think this is this is what uh, what makes me fall in love with again and again. Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with us. And if you like this episode, it will mean a world to me if you take a few seconds and leave us a review on iTunes or share it with your friends. Also, you can always find more information about podcast as well as past episodes at yanadance.com slash podcast. As well as you can connect with me on social media by Yana Dance or Yana Komarnitska. I'm very active on Instagram as well as Facebook and share a lot of tips and inspiration for your daily ballet dance life. And by the way, don't forget to subscribe to podcasts so you never miss a future episode. And until next time, keep shimming.